Evans, the color lilies are in bloom again. Yeah, Pee-wee. Why don't you shut up and get that tortilla out of your butt? All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 28 of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Farty McGee. And like I said, episode 28, it's going to be a barn burner. So today I would like to talk about, uh, well, some Napa, Napa Valley, California. Uh, giving a big shout out to the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. Uh, I was going to talk about an Air Forks. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. And something along the lines of uh, some racing news, perhaps. So let's get into this episode. Let's see if it'll wheelie. Oh, it won't wheelie. I tried to wheelie it this uh couple days ago so did not work yeah i guess before i get into my blabbage about cabbage uh i'm gonna give a big shout out to the motorcycles and misfits podcast this last weekend i was up in the napa valley area for bottle rock with my wife who by the way my wife just won teacher of the year y'all i am married to a fucking genius and uh she i have somehow tricked her into marrying the world's biggest idiot so for what that's worth uh you can live the dream too everybody you can live the dream too so napa valley california uh beautiful 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 we listened to some podcasts on the way up there my wife introduced me to a couple new podcasts and i introduced her to a couple new podcasts namely the motorcycles and misfits podcast and guess what she was cracking up and i wanted to talk about their uh apology they backpedaled a little bit on their uh a story worth living or whatever the hell that film that terrible film is called um they kind of got in touch with the production company. Um, there was a long backstory. My wife didn't get it all. So, of course, we had to listen to the episodes. And she's busting up. You know, we listened to... I still cracked up at the movie review. And Mike saying it's like punching a retarded kid in the face or whatever. And so then we had to listen to, you know... We had to listen to that one because we had listened to the latest one first where they were talking about it. And that's what piqued her interest. And it was also cool hearing about the naked ride that went down and Kat wasn't there during that episode. So during the latest episode, she was there talking about how her bike stalled and she had to kick it over naked and all that stuff. So my wife was just cracking up. So guess what? Motorcycles and misfits. My wife loves a motorcycle podcast and it's not mine. So yeah, you guys have a new fan. Um, also, I wanted to talk about the backpedaling done on the last episode, and I had like I, I keep saying I texted with Liza. I didn't really I didn't text her. I call everything a text. I did like a little IM to her, and we were talking about you know I was joking with her about how they're going to have a show next because you know riding with Redis, uh, like she said on on her la- latest episode, they're going to be on there. Uh, I believe it's the twelfth, so in a few days here, a couple weeks I guess, and. Stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm going to have to go online and get it somewhere since uh, I don't have cable. And I will do whatever it takes to see those guys. Uh, I, I wonder, do they get them to do a naked ride? You know, what's going on? It was right around the time they did that naked ride. So uh, I'm excited to see what hijinks they, they pull with uh, Norman. And so, yeah, it'd be really cool. And congrats to them. I, I joked around with her about having her own reality show, which would honestly be 10 times better than... Um, Duck Dynasty or American Chopper or any of that crap. So, yeah, man, I would, I would watch, I'll pay to watch that. So, that's pretty cool. And uh, interesting to check that out. Also, cool that they got in touch with the production company who told Liza all about the basically the backstory of that horrible um, aberration of a movie that um, kind of got their story out. And it was interesting to hear, actually. So, Go to go listen to their last podcast that came out. They talked about the movie and why, you know, even the production company wasn't expecting um, the reactions to it. So very, very interesting. And I do feel kind of bad for him now, but still, it's a shitty movie. Um, don't go see it. It's like watching um, that documentary Sons of Anarchy to learn about motorcycling. All right. Another thing I wanted to talk about was the Targa. Do you know what the Newfoundland Targa is, or the Targa Newfoundland, I guess? It's basically like a road race on the peninsula of Labrador and Newfoundland. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go online and look up the um, Targa Newfoundland. 
what I was thinking the whole time we're driving through Napa is how beautiful it is compared to what I'm used to. Now in LA, we have some really, well, outside of LA, we have some really nice canyons, beautiful mountains. Um, you know, California has some of the most diverse riding country that you can be in, in one state. However, going up to Napa reminded me, oh my God, it's, you get out of San Francisco and it's rolling hills. And we're talking like through forests, through farmland, obviously a ton of wineries up there. And it's so beautiful. I was wondering why they don't do an Isle of Man sort of race here in the States. And I'm sure there's plenty of venues across, you know, pretty rural that could do it. But if you're talking about Napa, someplace that already there's a lot of money, there's a lot of sports up there. I passed um, Sears Point, you know, we we're driving out and my wife says, oh, we're on this road called Sears Point Road or something. And I was like, holy shit, honey, I know you don't have any clue, but there's like a racetrack out here. And sure enough, we passed it. And so, you know, lots of road racing stuff up there. There's lots of... Um, flat tracking and stuff up there. I mean, it's, it's huge up there and there's a lot of money up there, of course. And it just made me wonder why all that stuff doesn't coalesce into like a more, um, I don't know, a pervasive motorsports atmosphere up there because I don't know, maybe you don't want people crashing into your wine, uh, wineries and stuff like that, that maybe, maybe I'm overthinking this, but at the same time, I could not imagine some of the more most beautiful riding landscapes. If you can imagine Laguna Seca, with like the corkscrew and all that stuff, but you're doing it on public roads. Like that's how it is driving. And and the thing I wanted to mention about like the forest and the trees is that we have all that stuff here in SoCal, but it's a lot of scrub down here and a lot of oak. And the forests are a little bit brighter down here. And you go up there and it's dense. It is like thick. You cannot see. I mean, even the wood is darker. Everything is darker probably because of you know, there's very few places I've ridden up here that are as, as dense as that because of the the height of the trees. And uh, and here, the trees just don't get that tall. Um, they're not that fat. So, I mean, you just don't have, like, stuff getting blocked out. Even up by, like, Big Bear and Mammoth and all that stuff, I don't think that the trees are just quite as dense. You just have, like, a totally different feel. It's almost like stepping back in time into these crazy forests of, you know, that you could imagine, like, dinosaurs cruising through. And... It feels like that. It's dark. Um, then you get out into these rolling rolling hills, like I said. And America the Beautiful, you know, the amber waves of grain and all that stuff. Like these beautiful amber, they almost look like golden dunes. But, of course, they're not sand. They're, you know, vegetation. But it was just so incredible. And I've, I've come across some deer up here before. Um, a lot of mule deer and stuff. You could see them when you're riding so that luckily you don't crash into them. Um, and especially if you're dirt biking and you're out there like, on the far, on fire roads, it could be pretty hazardous, but you can kind of see them. They blend in with the sand pretty good, but that's you know when we're up there, they don't blend in so so much with like the 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 grass and the dirt. But the forest is so thick that this deer was literally right by my wife and I, and we couldn't see it. We could hear it running away, and then it got up to the top of this hill, and then we could see it. But that's how dense and thick these forests are that we're talking about. So it was just so crazy staying there. We stayed at the house that like the artist for The Grateful Dead uh, stayed at, did a few album covers for them and whatnot. Before a lot of stuff moved down here to L.A., San Francisco was the center of California. And I think as far as motorsports, it could be again. I know the whole motorcycle industry is down here in SoCal, but God, just driving through some of those roads. If my wife wasn't with me, we were in her car. She's got like a pretty sporty little car. And um, if she wasn't with me, I would have uh, been driving a lot faster. I was already going pretty quick, but you know, I didn't want her to get sick or yell at me or any of that. But yeah, seeing the people on the bikes, I knew what they were there for. You know, I knew... I had just come down these twisties and they were heading up and I was like, oh boy, I know where you guys are going and why. And gosh, I just, it was so cool. And uh, on some of these things, the road stretches through the hills for miles. So you can see all these turns coming up like miles before you even get to them. And you can kind of anticipate which way you're going to be going because once you get there, you can't see the road drops off. You know what I mean? It's just like a lot of racetracks where you'll have like a little undulation and you know that the corner you need to be 
turned in by this point because if you're not you're going to go flying off the track you know what i mean so it's, it was just driving that in real life on some roads just made me wonder why we haven't done like a point-to-point rally like the targa newfoundland uh it was so so crazy and great so yeah my experience up there i just had a lot of fun and i'm going to go back on a motorcycle maybe by myself um and take advantage of some of those some of those roads and just ride some stuff that you don't get here uh, down in SoCal, even though we have lots of awesome canyon carving and all that, it's just when you're when you're present and you're in an environment, you're immersed in it, and it's having that effect on you. You know that's some good stuff. So yeah, I can't wait to go back up there again. Oh my god, I just re-listened to this, and I had such a boner for Napa. Might as well write a little. S- poem about it or something cry me a river all right here's a here's a poem for napa roses are red violets are blue if you see a clown stab him all right all right ladies and gentlemen up next on the docket is uh me closing my window because these chirping birds are driving me absolutely insane Sounds like I hate birds. I hate parrots and parakeets. And if you have one, you should probably go stuff your head in a plastic bag right now. Oh, my God. They're coming in the other window, too. Well, if you can still hear it, we're all fucked, okay? Um, So here's the deal. Uh, I I went cruising the other day up and down the streets around here. And I know I blabbed about living near Arcadia and Sierra Madre and Pasadena and all that great stuff. And it's the Foothills community of L.A. Woo! Which means that there's mountains just right outside my window. Which means that there's cool places to ride. But which also means the neighborhoods probably have some hilly, tristy streets. And they do. If I just need like a 10-minute quick little, you know, jaunt around the neighborhood, I won't drive on surface streets. Why would I do that? I'll go up into the neighborhoods because there's twisties. The only problem is that, you know, they're like 25-mile-an-hour twisties because you don't want to hit some deer and you don't want to hit Joe millionaire coming out the front door of his house giant mansion but the other day i went cruising and i'd never been through some of these neighborhoods before and so i went up there and uh yeah needless to say i found some really 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 cool unmarked roads why because they're i I don't know if they're access roads or some of them look like neighborhoods that were supposed to have been built and maybe the developer fell through or something because there's there's driveways and plots but there's nothing on them so i went up and excuse me i hate when that happens like when you get a little air bubble in your throat that's awesome i don't know why i'm so obsessed with peewee today too anyway i went up into these neighborhoods i cruised around i found some dirt fire roads and i cruised up them but I got to this one that was pretty damn steep, and I don't have uh, dirt tires on my bike right now. I just have some, you know, street tires on them. And there's those water tires and air tires, but I stay away from those. I stick to street or dirt, okay? So I was on street tires trying to do some dirt stuff. It was actually pretty fun until I got a little bit over my head, and I was like, dude, if I fall down, this is going to suck. Not that my bike's heavy or nothing. I was on my 250, so it's all good. But at the same time, uh, who wants to fall on a fire road, like having to spill gas all over and pick your bike up? And, you know, I don't know. I just didn't feel like chancing it. And so I, I made it as far as I could before I started to lose traction. Coming back downhill backward, too, so that you can kind of turn correctly, um, on a dirt bike, I probably would have just, like, you know, leaned it over and gave it a little gas, wrapped it around. Uh, on a street bike, not so much. <laughs> so, or on a bike with street tires, I should say. I have a UJM, basically, so it's, uh, you put dirt tires on it, it's a dirt bike, street tires, it's a street bike. So, at any rate, yeah, I, uh, had a lot of fun just exploring my neighborhood. I mentioned to the stock, well, I mentioned that there's a lot of cars around here that are fancy schmancy and the stock versus square guys would be so happy if they could just like, you know, go riding and see a bunch of cool cars. Well, guess what? I went out riding and there's not a freaking car to be seen. So it's like, what the hell? So yesterday I saw a Maserati, just a base model, you know, nothing special, but I figured I'd still take a pic because they probably don't see that stuff every day. Uh, my neighbor has a Tesla if they want me to take a picture of that. But yeah, I, I did find a pretty sweet Nova. Um, so I'm going to 
post some of that up maybe on their Facebook page for them. I don't know, not for re- any real reason. Not, I don't think they want me to. It's just I mentioned it, and I think it'd be funny to post to their stuff. Maybe I'll just uh, post pictures, my baby pictures on their site too. Who knows? Maybe I'll do some, maybe, maybe this podcast is going off the rails. Maybe I better get back on track. All right. Well, here we go. So I was going to talk about air forks this episode and, uh, kind of wondering if I should or not. There was a lot of motorsports action that happened this week. And one of the big things was Kenny Roxon. Uh, I think he had a huge commanding lead in his first moto at Glen Helen. And if you watch, if you get to watch any of it, it's online. I think you can go, you probably can even get it on the red channel, uh, you know, YouTube and everything's on there anyway. So I think they upload all that crap a couple hours afterwards and go check it out, dude. It is Glen Helen's pretty crazy. And when I went there for the steeplechase, I was looking at the motocross track and I have not been up there. Oh God, it's been like over 10 years since I've been to the motocross track up there. And so they've changed the layout and whatnot. And I forget how crazy the pro track is. They have like a little, uh, vintage track or whatever at the bottom or, and, and, uh, it doesn't go up onto the big hill. It uses some different lower stuff. And when you're looking at that hill, it's like, holy shit. Like, I don't even know if I could, you can't walk up it. Like you gotta like be on the gas up that shit. So watching them just jump up these hills and stuff that's hard to walk up was just pretty, pretty awesome. And seeing how sketchy the track was and some of the ruts that formed because of having to be on the gas going up, it's like an uphill triple and stuff. It just that track was brutal. James Stewart showed up and he did like some practice and then quit. Like he didn't even bother trying because he's got like a shoulder injury. And so that tells you right there. Like if you don't even want to start because practice thrashed you, it is pretty gnarly. So uh, the reason I, I was thinking already of talking about Air Forks before uh, this last weekend's race. And then lo and behold, at the race, Ken Roxon has this commanding lead and blows an air fork. And I've always been, I've wondered about air forks. I shouldn't say I've been skeptical, but they've been around for a long time in the mountain bike uh, community. And of course, now they're making their way over to uh, three different production motorcycles came with them on them. Uh, last year and and I think this year they even got uh, two more I'm not like huge on motocross technology and stuff so don't excuse me don't quote me on any of this but yeah I I've I don't know if I'm skeptical like I said but um, I, I, I have noticed that a lot of people are running this stuff it seems to be like a trend or a fad and I guess the next a couple of seasons will tell if this stuff is going to stick around or not, but definitely kind of reared uh, its ugly head this weekend when he had, like I said, this huge commanding lead. I forget if it was like 12 or 17 seconds or something like that. And we're talking like just stepped out on the rest of the field and he blows a, a fitting and now he's rolling stuff. Cause you know, he's got like zero travel or whatnot. He's got like the, the, damper on the other side basically but no like spring and so the thing he's just having to roll jumps and he dropped back to fourth and it just made me wonder that much more about air shocks and and air shock technology and and wondering why it's coming on like is it gonna be one of those things like i talked about i don't know some a handful of episodes ago when uh, the industrial revolution how we haven't like made uh, we've we've made improvements to stuff, but we haven't really invented some new stuff. This is kind of one of those things that spans. Uh, you know, this isn't necessarily a new invention. It's still a fork, but it, it is employing like a different sort of technology, and albeit one that's like even less. Um, I mean, I guess the valving is pretty. Uh, I don't know, delicate and intricate on these things. But as far as like using air as a spring, like that's some of the oldest shit you could probably think of, you know, like, uh, it's just weird. Like a boiler, you know, (laughs) use hot air basically as a spring. Um, so anyway, it, it was just interesting to me to see, uh, finally see a failure in one of these things. And I, and I don't really know, I couldn't tell you the winner, um, was using, uh, white power shocks, I think. So, you know, those are totally springed. And let's just say, I think it was Dungey that won. So yeah. Anyway, just kind of interested me. I, I, I'm going to try and get somebody that knows all about suspensions on the show soon. So hopefully since they are knowledgeable and an expert in the field, they can, uh, f- 
enhance my thoughts on these things. And I actually have some air ride suspension uh, forks on an old bike that's sitting out in my yard. So I should just go take those apart and see how they actually work. You know what I mean? If it's the same sort of principle where there's like a a chamber that um, acts like a spring or if it's just like a chamber, because I'm not sure on these older ones if it's like a damping effect or a spring effect, where on these new ones, it definitely is a spring effect. Uh, I've I've even watched videos on them to see all about them. And one side, depending on who, who you know, the, the um, shoot, I think it was the Showa forks, that the right side fork was nothing but air chambers and adjustable, you know, the, the, the damping and valving adjusted, uh, see, seemingly, seemingly endless or infinite adjustments available, which is where you'll come into the mechanical constraints that a spring has. Um, you know, you can only get so much, A, the, the way it's wound and the weight of the spring kind of predetermines uh, several factors where I'm assuming with air, you just, you increase the pressure and it's like increasing the spring rate or something. You know, I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, spring is dictated by... Uh, how much forces takes to press it one inch down. I mean, that's like your spring rate and you can't do nothing about it. You know, you get a, a softer spring or a stiffer spring, but you know, basically the rate is the rate uh, and it depends on the thickness and the wind and all that stuff. And then it's progressive springs and preload and all that crap. So I just, it was, it's, I'm interested in air forks and they're why they are a perceived, um, advantage right now or at least a trend i wouldn't say they're an advantage especially when like a seven dollar part can blow off and have you lose a race which uh you know that equals fourth place equals some bucks needless to say it was an awesome race to watch just because of the history the terrain uh the track conditions at glen helen are always changing and to watch these guys like i said just flying uphill and coming downhill so hard into these huge ruts and berms and still making the turns and making passes on the outside and, you know, traveling 40 more feet to make a, make a pass on somebody, it seems counterintuitive, but it happened just because you stay full pinned on these outside berms. And uh, Glen Helen also, one of the things I really like about it is that um, it's super unpredictable. You know what I mean? So Ken Roxon came back out in the second moto and they said, oh, he will win. He was so pissed that he had such a commanding lead and then and lost it you know, all the way back off the podium that they said he is going to win his second uh, moto and he did. So that was pretty cool. Something else that's cool, especially if you haven't uh, ridden the motorcycle a long time, go check out some of the onboard footage and just some of the race footage where these guys are just flying and at speed going, you know, like I said, through this ever-changing terrain and track conditions. And the lines that they were picking sometimes did not look uh, like the rider was picking. It looked like the track was (laughs) driving the rider. So yeah, just uh, the navigating that thing at speed just looked like it took all the physical strength. It makes sense why James Stewart could not... um, couldn't hang and kind of showcases the best of SoCal, in my opinion. You know, we don't have sandy motocross tracks like they do in uh, some other countries and stuff, but Glen Helen's one tough sucker. And when you're just standing there looking at the track, you realize I could not, I can't walk up this hill, you know, I'm on foot. And when the Helen Wheels hill climb happens, you're looking at that hill and it looks like vertical you know it's so daunting looking and here these guys are flying up and down it like a pin in it you know (laughs) so it's really really incredible uh to watch it on tv but if you can make it out there in person and see what they're doing this on it you know it is mind-blowing so that's glenn helen um something else that happened this last weekend was the fim cev moto 2 and I think it's put on by Repsol. And anyway, they were at Aragon and there was a huge crash like in the first lap. And Xavi, what's his name? Xavi Carellas, I think, uh, comes around and starts doing a tank slapper on the rumble strips, falls down. I don't know if his bike hits him, but it kind of looked like it hit him as it flips back onto the track, right? And when it flips back onto the track, the fuel tank comes off. And it was just crazy because you already got a bike 
on the grass, catches just right, and now it's on the racing line, basically. Um, so you got people like already in jeopardy of that, but then the fuel tank separates and slides out into the middle of the track. So even where you have to go to get around the bike and 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 miss, you know, hitting this big hunk of metal. Oh, there's another hunk of metal, and I don't I don't know the guy's name who hit it, but uh, somebody hit it and it exploded. And so now you've got fire and smoke and it's huge it looked like the guy martin fireball i mean it took covered almost the entire track for for a second you know for like a split second that fireball was just huge the dude that hits it kind of bunny hops over it you know what i mean like he got a little air and then you see these other guys coming around the corner full lean they they stand up and they're probably i'm guessing they were on the brakes for dear life nowhere to go there's people on both sides of them uh, I'm assuming in that situation, you're not looking to the side to see if the dude is over there or not sitting on the grass, which he was. He'd already popped back up. Thank goodness. Because they're just staring straight down the track, you know, target fixating on this freaking flame. Do I ride through the fire or do I hit this bike? So two of them, and they're, they're almost, uh, I mean, the fire was touching the bike, basically. So you don't have anywhere to go unless you want to go off into the grass and you're not sure what's out there, you know, that's, that's where the guy is. And I don't know how they even like in that split second, what they were seeing, but, uh, hopefully some onboard footage will, will surface of that. And it's just nuts to think about what's going through their head at this point. And basically all they can do is, pardon me, all they can do is hang on. Right. So two of them jump this thing full on, just eat shit, but they get airborne. And I love how the commentator was like, oh, they got four feet of air. Uh, that's like a little Napoleon Dynamite-ish, you know, like you got 10 feet of air. No, they they got the height of the bike, which is a foot and a half, maybe laying on its side. But still, at you know, it was incredible to watch. Thank Jupiter's beard. Nobody got hurt. Uh, I did see three ambulances pulling off the course in some of the footage, and I saw them loading up the bikes, and they were just trashed. But uh, as from what I've heard, nobody was nobody was injured. There was a girl, um, Anna Carrasco, and she just like goes right through the flames like if you ever watched uh, that 80s show airwolf where they blow something up and then the helicopter like flies through the explosion that was her dude she missed the bike she missed the fuel tank she missed the debris of the other guys that hit it and they wiped out and i mean oh it was pretty incredible to see her go through it and make it you know it was like a stunt show but uh sadly i haven't heard anything but um, Michael Aquino, who's the uh, younger brother to the late Tommy Aquino, um, he went onto the grass and he slammed pretty hard and it looked like he might have got knocked out. And he was one of the guys that I think they took away in an ambulance. So I'm not sure what happened to him. Uh, I haven't checked back to check the details, but I just saw that. I watched that whole race and um, pretty amazing, pretty amazing. And uh, sadly, I was looking at some stats today. Today is uh, Friday. Yeah, somebody passed today in the practice for the, uh, I think they're racing at Barcelona. Um, 24-year-old Louis Salome uh, crashed, and I think he was taken to hospital and uh, succumbed to his injury. So, very sad 24-year-old guy um, came coming up to the ranks. He's actually the first guy to pass in MotoGP since... Simoncelli in 2011 though which is also the last season that I watched MotoGP if you compare that with the Isle of Man and the stats that we were talking about last week you know that is a great that's super great and speaking of you know that crash that I mentioned earlier the the Moto the Moto 2 crash for the uh, FIM CEV Motul no Repsol <laughs> better not say Motul and Repsol together anyway it was interesting watching that guy crash um, because you could see his airbag deploy. And so, you know, in the a lot of these racer jackets, they have, or the racing suits, I should say, they've got like a Helite style airbag that deploys and you could see his head popped. So, um, yeah, they're making strides, making strides in the sport and making it safer. So, cool, cool. Speaking of making things safer, I talked about lane spitting last week and lane splitting i just said lane spitting and i would not recommend doing that in a closed face helmet but uh yeah 
right after Michelle was nice enough to send us a, a video about lane splitting, and uh, we analyzed the audio on that and talked about how they need it in Las Vegas at least. Um, I had, was looking on asphalt and rubber as I sometimes do, and it came up again. Now, one of my uh, coworkers sent it to me with like a "Here we go again," and it's like, why say "Here we go again"? Like, I'm you should be for it, right? Like, you, this should be. Let's okay. The AMA doesn't specifically um, advocate for the helmet law because it's a slippery slope. First, they're telling us to wear the helmet. Next thing you know, they're telling us we can't put aftermarket aftermarket pipes on our bike, right? Well, thanks, EPA, anyway. But, you know, now it's like, so let's not get crazy on the helmet law thing, but if we're going to make things safer, let's talk about this lane splitting thing. Because like the helmet law, it should be legal to, uh, from my perspective in, in all 50 states and uh, 45 territories. Uh, the rest of the world pretty much does it, I'm pretty sure. And, um, you know, it's like a helmet. The helmet law doesn't have to be mandatory, uh, but you can, you know, in states where it's not um, mandatory, you can wear one if you want to. So if you make lane splitting, or not even splitting, lane sharing uh, legal in a bunch of different states, then, uh, you know, you don't have to do it if you don't want to, just like the helmet law. You don't have to wear a helmet if you don't want to, but, you know, a lot of guys still wear helmets in states where the helmet law is not mandatory. Okay, you don't have to make this shit a mandatory thing. But I did see through looking at it that it appears as though Washington State has taken this up. And this is like a last year sort of thing. I was looking at um, that it got adopted, it looks like, in March of 2015. And there was a couple different versions and rewordings of it. One was adopted in February. The next one was adopted in March and it had scratched out some of the stuff. It appears that in Washington State, at least if you're doing 35 and under you can pass vehicles if you are in the left furthest left lane which would be the number one lane if you pass them on the left side in the leftmost lane you can you can do that if you're going uh the latest adoption that i saw is 25 miles an hour the original one that i saw i think was a little bit faster but you know, traffic can't be going more than 25 and you can't pass them at a speed grade of like 10 miles an hour or something like that. I just read this, but I read like four different ones. So I thought, I thought I was reading the final one. So I'm not hundred percent sure on the, yeah, 10 miles an hour over the speed of traffic flow and not more than 25 miles per hour. So that's pretty good. That's like, uh, I, you know, that's a good keeping you cool at least you know what i mean like you don't have to be doing 100 miles an hour through traffic so i think that that's good and that was um senator sheldon hargrove braun king and hasagawa uh are the ones that voted this in and from from what i could see it says adopted 3-5-2015 um and that is, you know, the Washington State Senate. And so it looks like there's a form of lane splitting in Washington. I'd be interested in hearing people in Washington uh, give me your opinion on if you've used it yet and, and if it's good, if it's if it's safer because you're all the way on the left lane. And, you know, you're not going to be having cars coming up on your left and on your right. So, I mean, that's pretty smart, you know. The one thing I didn't see at the bottom is that it says it removes the authorization for a motorcycle to operate between lanes of traffic and rows of vehicles. It limits passing in the same lane as the vehicle uh, is overtaking on the left-hand side of the vehicle in the leftmost lane of traffic. So apparently the first wording was that they can share lanes and it was ambiguous as to like, where does that mean, you know, and, and what's the speed? The speeds were a little higher. So they specifically narrowed it down only the leftmost lane, and it has to be on the left side so that there's, I'm assuming, no um, possibility of a, another vehicle coming across on your left, passing you on the left, you know, if you're in, in a bike. So, damn you, dog. You just ruined the whole show. You know that? I'm sorry. It's my fault. 
Anyway, so yeah, that was pretty cool. And then there was an amendment or another act relating to that um, that said specifically in enacted by the legislature of the state of Washington, basically an amendment that says motorcycles are entitled to full use of the lane and no motorcycle show or no motor vehicle should be driven in a manner to deprive the motorcycle the full use of a lane. They can pass on the left. The only people that can pass in the middle are motor officers. So they did like even rewrite an amendment to say that, um, you know, (laughs) to be very specific about who on what motorcycle could go in between lanes and it's, uh, police officers. So, you know, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. And it, you know, you got a lot of space on the left-hand shoulder. That's pretty great. The only thing I could see being crazy is if there's like a, a median there, like a, like a, a like a concrete wall or a barrier or something. Because, I mean, it was also specific enough to say that you can't pass a vehicle on the left in a freeway that's not divided, like, you know, an oncoming lane or something like that. You can't obviously split there um, unless they're divided or there's like a median, you know, like a concrete barrier. But the only crappy thing I could see is if there is a concrete barrier and a car like swerves over being a, a douchebag and smashes the bike into the, the median. But the whole reason to be able to do it is so that bikes can move past. That way, bikes aren't cutting through the lanes. They're not cutting through. Damn you, phone. You just ruined the whole podcast. Do you know that? All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to you and the dog. Um, Anyway, yeah, I, it just it makes sense that they, they they made these rules specific so that you can't do it at um, stoplight still, you know, unless your stoplight happens to be like on an undivided freeway, highway, roadway, you know, or a divided roadway. But um, you know, you can't do it on the city streets, so it's specific to um, freeway traffic. It sounds like or divided roadways, which probably is like a highway or a freeway, or whatnot. So anyway. Go Washington. One more state. And let's see what California do. One more thing I'd love to talk about is Rider Aids. I'm always talking about Rider Aids and technology recently. Enough blabbing. Um, what I wanted to say about Rider Aids is that this podcast that I overheard was talking to a racer. And specifically, all these Rider Aids that are popping up on racing bikes... And what I said episodes ago about, you know, learning on a shit bike with no technology on it to ride really good and then hopping on a bike later with all that great stuff on it. And for for me, that would be the ultimate just because you would learn the rudimentary basics, just like learning to wrench on bikes. I believe I said the same exact thing about it. Um... You know, you wrench on a bike learning to do shit the hard way with hand tools. And then when it comes time to program the computer on it, you're like a genius because you can troubleshoot anything, whether it's physical or technological, you know. So uh, the ride, the, the racer that they were talking to um, specifically said that a lot of the times at the track, he will see whether it's like a suspension setup or a tech, a riding technique, he will see other racers dial in their traction control more, uh, dial in some other setting more rather than fixing the problem with themselves and fixing the problem with the suspension or whatever, whatever thing that they're getting this feedback from rather than going to it and fixing the source of the problem. They're using this technology to skirt it, to some degree and eventually, you know, to the worst degree because you're not fixing anything. You're putting a, a big band-aid over it and eventually when the time comes, um, you are you won't have developed the skills. You'll just be riding the exact same as you were because you're relying on this rider aid. You switch bikes or you switch to a bike that doesn't have it. Maybe, you know, you switch to a newer bike that is a blank slate and you're not going to be able to figure out what's wrong with your riding because you didn't take the time to dial in your suspension. Um, you didn't take the time to fix your bad habit of flicking on the gas like close to the end of the corner and you, you're going to loop it, you're low-sided or high-sided. Um, or, you know, you're going deep into a corner uh, relying on the ABS and the traction control instead of relying on 
your uh, your brain basically and your wrist and your you know your body positioning and all that crap. So there is a a, de- a good upside, I guess. Stuff making safer for the street and the downside, which is like, you know, stuff making it bad in race situations. Granted, we're not all going to be racers and whatnot, but I'm just saying the same thing applies. If you're a good rider on any bike on the road or the street, chances are when you get into a situation where you don't have the technology to rely on, you're still going to be a good rider because that's how you started. And having technology can only make you better. It, I, I think of it as like also, you know, learning to hit a, a baseball or play golf, all these crazy like machines that they have that you can stand up and learn it. And even at the gym, like a Smith machine or something, you are learning to do something within like a track. Basically, it's basically like going to Disneyland and driving Autopia and saying, dude, look at this. I can steer and drive and all this stuff. No, dude, your car can go around on a track for you. Using the Smith machine at the gym, you can squat, but you would fall over if you had real weights on your back because the Smith's machine is keeping you on a specific access. You haven't trained your body. Like muscle memory is such a huge part of being a human in general. And whether it's being a rider or freaking riding a bicycle, you know, like everything relies on muscle memory you build the good muscle memory in the beginning you don't have to rely on crappy shit uh, in the end and you you augment that technology think of that think of that man you're making technology better by being an exquisite um performer in the beginning here so i'm i'm coming down the line in a few months i'm going to be talking about this as it relates to hipsters and um you know customizing bikes nowadays that are just chock full of all these awesome little technological doohickeys and you know what that's what that's going to mean for the brown seat community in the, within the next five years as even vintage bikes are starting to have more and more of the technology on you know in 10 years let's bump the market up 10 years and uh even the old, old rudimentary bikes are going to have the possibility of like ABS or some sort of traction control and stuff like that uh, going into like the late 90s and early 2000s. You know what I mean? Like the further, the further away we get from now, the, the more quote unquote customizers and vintage shit is going to be, you're going to have to go real vintage. Like how we feel riding like a 1930s bike is how people in like 20 years are going to have to be oh man I'm riding a bike from the 70s you know that's going to seem so long ago where right now that's just kind of like cafe racer style but in 20 years that's literally going to be like old grandpa you know half a century ago rode this thing and um, so yeah I'm just thinking that you know classic and and old bikes quote old bikes are going to be um, loaded with technology and and uh, that sort of stuff is going to really play into um, the way you know people ride and you can be real shitty on a bike right now and it don't matter but in 10 years it's going to be a little bit harder to work around that uh, ECU or IMU or whatever the heck you're trying to um, circumvent as far as like troubleshooting like electrical stuff and adding stuff i think it's going to be a whole different ball game maybe in the future though accessory parts are just going to be like a plug and play no mechanical skill required sort of thing well it's getting close to that time guys close to that time where i'm just going to start riffing bsing and all that great shit so uh something i wanted to talk about real fast is the uh, wir top 10 bikes and i did notice today that uh they were racing you know they've been racing over the past couple days and uh sing sign's been sharing some insider information with me uh his bike goes mach 432 i don't know if i was supposed to tell anybody that but uh it's been done if you haven't had a chance to check it out, go to WIR's Top 10 Bikes on Facebook. You can see all the smack talk, all the um, crazy Doritos races. I mean, it's the way these guys go through Doritos and nacho 
you know, dip as uh, a wager. It surprises me that they're not 347 pounds, but then that's the mind of a racer. You fatten up your competition, you pretend to eat a bunch of chips, and then you turn around and spit them out. I mean, why else would you bring homemade mac and cheese loaded with butter? You know what I mean? So uh, another thing you'll see when you go there, um, you'll see a bunch of rematches and call-outs, and uh, you'll see cool things like you know these bike names with the uh, strudge versus Gracket. and uh, in a way i feel like it's sort of like um those those sound to me like 80s crime fighter duo names like crockett and tubbs strudge and Gracket, starsky and hutch cagney and lacy simon and simon you know you get the you get the gist of it but yeah it's pretty cool um I believe the last time on the show I was talking about how everybody was helping Cliff get together some funds so that he could go racing, and it looks like they did. He's on the board. So last time I checked it out, we had uh, Jake the Snake Roberts in the number one spot with uh, Preston in two and Michelle in three. Um, At tonight's race, Preston uh, raced against um, Michelle, and you can go on there and see who won. And uh, Sing Syme and Jason running for the uh, five, you know, the five six spot. Guy Bellinger and Terry Burmeister for the nine spot, and then Cliff was hanging out underneath ten. Now with the last name, like it could be Bellinger, but it could be Bell Anger. So you always want to watch out for somebody with a super intimidating name, like I don't know Thor Crush Clutch or something like that. So, uh, going from there to tonight's racing, let me fill you in on exactly what happened. So, Mother Nature was not kind tonight up in Kukana. And basically what happened is it rained before they got their second round runs done. But somebody, uh, most of them did get through the uh, first round and made some really good passes from what I read. And here's how the board stands now. It's uh, Jake the Snake Roberts in first spot. Michelle Stanky Pitts Mankiewicz in second spot. Preston Nipple, whose name really doesn't require a uh, pseudonym at all. He's in the third spot. Dylan Pulley in the fourth spot. Ahead of Chris Singsheim all the time, motherfucking Nitrous Chris. In the fifth spot, ahead of Jason Goldfinger Goldmeyer. Dustin Durant Durant in the uh, seventh spot. He was hungry like the wolf after uh, thrusting Justin High down into the eighth spot with Guy Bell Anger assing Terry Burmeister out of the number nine spot. And on the next round, since it rained out, you know, the second round, basically, uh, the next running of the RSD, which we're still not sure what that means, the the really sketchy drag strippers is, um, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> we should call this series the the really sexy drag strippers, <laughs> and there should be a Ricky Bobby bit. It's got to happen. Oh my god, it's late. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm making your very serious um, drag racing very. Uh, I don't know nonsensical. So anyway, when we get back into this action on June 8th, we're gonna have Michelle versus Jake for the number one spot. Now this girl's been climbing the charts faster than Lionel Richie with dancing on the ceiling back in the 80s. Uh, Dylan versus Preston for the number three spot. Preston, can you keep it up in three just like NSYNC did against the uh, Backstreet Boys back in the uh, early 2000s? We don't want to see you falling down the Billboard charts, my friend. And Guy versus Justin for the eighth spot. So Justin Case High uh, getting beat out by Dustin Durant Durant, who was hungry like the wolf. These guys might be, uh, you know, just itching to climb up the ladder, too. So sing sign or uh, keep some nitrous in them bottles, son. So you got people uh, breathing up your skirt. So just keep it um, rubber side down. Oh, boy, Mike Kotis is posting up some sweet videos. Oh, baby. Yeah, you, you need to go check this out. Everyone got home safe. Chris says, thanks to everyone that came to the race and keep the list fun and alive and well. Taco dip was great, but the rain interrupted my chance to get my mac and cheese. So, you know, that's what it's all about. It's all about having a good time, racing your friends. Uh, honestly, it's kind of about 
um, proving who's the biggest schmuck and getting kicked off that awesome little chalkboard. So that's what I want to see. I want to see these friendships torn apart by racing. And (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Anyway, yeah, um, Jason created an event for July 8th. So so keep with it. Check it out. And um, let's keep these guys in our minds, always in the front of our minds. Also on the menu for that part of Wisconsin, Elkhart Lake is having the um, Honda Superbike shootout or the Superbike Challenge or whatever at Road America tomorrow. And if the weather, you know, the same sort of weather that rained those guys out is going to, you know, drop out, drop down from the sky, it is um, doubtful whether or not it will, you know, anything will materialize over there at Road America. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how the weather plays out for these guys. There should be lots of stuff coming up. Uh, motocross wise though which will you know hopefully not factor too much into a rainy schedule um big news at isla man i think ian hutchinson set a new lap record and also in um moto america catalonia uh jorge lorenzo set a new record i believe this is news just coming in also uh rip muhammad ali one of the great um i don't know greatest athletes of the last generation it's always sad when an icon dies no matter what sport they are in and uh, i'm not going to talk about sprocket and chain tension on this i covered it a while back when we were talking about um when i was doing a couple little tech episodes but i wanted to go over it when it's like a racing application we'll get into that next time um, just because it's getting a little bit short on time. also wanted to talk about uh, thank you for all the support on Facebook and Tumblr and all that stuff. I have seen, like I said, I've been seeing c- constant growth there, but unfortunately, I cannot s- always see who is liking. And so thank you very much to all the uh, supporters of the page for you know just f- for checking it out and at least giving me a chance, giving the show a chance. To be honest, the show is not about me or anybody named Chance or Chances. It's about uh, you. It's about everyone else. And I'm just so so proud that people actually like it and uh, get a little kick out of some of the fun stuff we try to do on there. Um, if you have any ideas for the show, uh, you can throw them up on Facebook. You can email the show at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. If you like seeing my failed attempts, <laughs> I did a little thing with, um, you know, I was doing something out of fiberglass and my resin kicked on it. And I thought, ah, I'll scrap that when I made another one. But I'll go ahead and like experiment with this one. You know, something that I was totally joking with, with um, one of our listeners, Paul, about using dryer sheets and PVC glue turned into a little experiment. And I have to say that piece that I made out of dryer sheets is incredibly flexible and durable. So, um, you know, you never know what fun is going to spark like an actual little project that might result in a, a, you know, different way of doing something or like at least trying something out. So that was kind of fun. And also, if you're in the area, this weekend is going to be the uh, Mods and Rockers uh, camp out up in the Angeles Crest, just a little bit further up the road from Newcomb's Ranch. The meet and greet was actually tonight at the Cretans Clubhouse, so that's uh, going to kick off tomorrow. I'll probably go to that, just uh, maybe just for the ride up. You know, you don't have to camp out, just go up for some good times and whatnot. On the 5th at the Cretan Clubhouse, uh, MotoGP from Catalonia, you can go and watch it on their TV. You know, why not? If you don't have BN Sports or whatever the hell, go to someone else's house that has it, right? Hey, I also want to say a big shout out to the Rusty Butcher crew. Um, They were at the X Games. They were, you know, living the dream. Uh, Also, Jared Meese for taking first and winning a new Street 750. And... The the Rusty Butcher crew is going to be over at the um, Hooligan Dirt Dash, which is from noon to 6 in New Braunfels, Texas, um, on Saturday, June 4th. It's at Gruen Harley-Davidson, so check that out. That'll be a lot of fun. A lot of flat track stuff happening right now with the X Games, the Sacramento Mile, this Dirt Dash going on. And I saw that um, Forever Two Wheels Co. is... And Massachusetts doing flat track right now. I don't know where the heck they're doing. But yeah, really cool. A lot of, lot of um, stuff going off right now as far as that 
goes and Roger Hayden posting up too. Not to you know, don't forget the Isle of Man's going on. I totally forgot about that. How could I forget that? Uh, I wanted to talk about that, but you know, since it's kind of happening, um, practice was this last weekend. Racing is going on this this week and uh, next week, so we'll see what comes out of that. So any coverage you can get your hands on for Isle of Man, I would check that out if you can. They have stuff online where you can subscribe to get. Um, I think you get behind the scenes stuff right now and some highlights and all that stuff. So a lot of that, there's a lot of live racing on TV this weekend. If you've got the packages, like if you have Mav TV, the, uh, pro motocross races at Thunder Valley will be live on Mav TV for, um, from Lakewood, Colorado for the first moto and then live again for the second moto on NBC sports. Um, both of them on Saturday also, there's motocross action live on NBC Sports uh, Live Extra app, which is available also on Apple TV. Um, Moto America and Road America at Road America um, will be live on BN Sports. Um, you know, weather permitting, I guess. Um, there'll be a bunch of superbike action on BN Sports USA app if you have the app. And uh, Roger Hayden says, "Hey." Check your local listings for times. Yoshimura, baby. Team Suzuki Racing. Team Suzuki, baby. Suzuki Racing, baby. RMZ 450, baby. Motocross, baby. Pro. I'm not going to say all those hashtags, but you get it. And I, I just throw in that baby because, you know, that's how they those Kentucky guys sound, baby. So, yeah, no, check it out. A lot of live, sh- lot of live shit. A lot of um, local shit going on in your neighborhood. Open your eyes and check it out. See what's happening in your part of the world. Send me some pics. And like I said, if you have any fun things going down, any show ideas, any challenges you want to see, you know, you want to you want to see. Uh, maybe we can get some of these uh, drag racer peeps from Wisconsin to throw a, up a picture of the Ricky Bobby, actual real Ricky Bobby. I'm I kind of want to see one. You know what I mean? That's why I keep bringing it up. So. I wanted to say something at the beginning of the show, somewhere around the beginning, I was talking about the little ride I went on dirt, and make sure you go have fun in your neighborhood, do some fun on some dirt. I tried to pop a couple wheelies, and I need a new clutch. My clutch is getting a little bit worn, it did not want to pop no wheelie, and so clutch time, throw some dirt tires on that, and I'll be good to go on these little fire roads and whatnot. Also, something I mentioned earlier in the show and something I'm very passionate about is the lane splitting issue, simply because, you know, I ride all my old bikes are crappy, air-cooled, um, pretty hot running, and with summer coming on the way, actually, it, I just get so hot sitting in black jacket, even though it's mesh, you know, it, it doesn't feel good unless there's air going over it, so it's kind of like a radiator in a car. You, you can sit there all you want, but unless you got air flowing over it, you know, your fan only does so much. It's when you start moving and getting that air that things really happen. So not only from a safety perspective, just from keeping everybody cool and, and safe and all that great stuff, it was really a pleasure to be able to lane split, you know, when I, whenever I was driving around this week because the temperatures are starting to climb up there a little bit. I do want to say thank you to the gentlemen, both gentlemen that saved my life uh, when I was coming back, I was, I was right down the street from my house, which is, isn't that where accidents always happen? Like within a few miles of your house. So I was at a stoplight and I was, uh, splitting down the middle and the light turned green and I was still a car length back from the front. So I started to go, you know, just so I wouldn't be blocking anybody behind me. And as I'm passing through the two people at the front of the line, they both lay on the horn and it brings my eyes up, you know, I'm, I'm looking around, I can't see out into the intersection yet, but right as they get on the horn, um, I look over to my left and there's a car just blowing the red. The his, his light had to have been red for a good, I don't know, two seconds because it had turned green for us and I had started to go and, you know, I was still back toward the, I, I was a like I said, I was one car length back from the line. I was basically at the tailgate of this truck and the trunk of a car. And when the light turned green, uh, I gunned it and started to pass them so that I could, you know, get out of their way, get up to the front and get out of their way. And if they hadn't honked their horn, I would have been in the middle of the intersection when that guy ran it. So the fact that they laid on the horn and like, what are they honking at? I'm looking around and I see this guy coming and I got on the brake. So thank you, those guys, for saving my life. 
Um, otherwise, I just would have been like, green light, burn. That's the other side of lane splitting, is it? You are responsible for being aware of your surroundings, and sometimes you have some angels looking out for you. So thanks, fellas. And with that, let's call it an hour. It's only 59.15. I can't believe I'm getting this done in less than an hour. It's blooper time. So, uh, yeah, why don't I- Name really doesn't require a pseudonym. Dylan Idler Pulley, or Crank Pulley? We'll think of a good name for Dylan. Dylan, uh, Pulley <laughs> is in the third spot. After losing to Michelle, you can see that video. I don't want, maybe I want to tease that part. You better, uh, keep your pants tied in the knot. What? What the hell am I even saying? And right now... There's a couple of things happening. So that's, uh, you know, another option you have. I, they are the coming wave of the future. And one of them is, uh, technically, I overheard a podcast where they were talking about all the great shit on them. You will be able to do it with a computer. And so that's how I heard it. I overheard a podcast, which I didn't really overhear. Dig this, man. A lot of e-bikes having stuff coming on them. All right, guys, it may not be fast, but at least it's not too powerful. Take it easy. Have a good weekend. Bye.